You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Um, we're, we're continuing our, our talk today um, on unity and community, and I just, I wanted to say just a few things on that. One, whenever a message begins to come forth, when you start talking about unity and and those things, you can be sure that it begins to happen where all of a sudden you may see little parts of disunity try to creep in. And I just, as a pastor, wanted to remind you that... um, just to remind you of those, to be in guard of those things where the enemy tries to break up relationships or if you see tension and stuff, be on guard about that. Be like, whoa, I see you, enemy. No way, Jose. You do not get to have a foothold. The Bible says don't give the enemy a foothold. And so to check your heart. And um, the other thing, talking about unity, last night we had uh, worship together. Uh, we were at the Alliance Church, and we've been purposely, um, churches in our city have been purposely working together. And, and I just wanted to say the importance of that, of us joining together for those things, because, because this is what the Lord is doing that he's uniting our hearts and and we can talk about it. We can say, oh, the churches, they need to unite. Um, But there is a practical of us standing together and and showing up and doing those things. And I'm not trying to condemn you or anything like that. I'm just saying, I'm telling you the importance of it in this hour that we are joining together. Um, And then we have prayer coming up. Like we said, um, pray for our city where the churches come together and we unite together. And so... I encourage you to come out to those things. Um, But we're going to continue our talk today, and Aaron is going to come and and speak to us. And I know he's got an amazing word on his heart. So welcome, Aaron. And I hope he comes up with some good one-liners that we can use, like children are a problem. I've been texting that to people. Like it was Lucas and I were talking, and I just text him, like, children are a problem. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Okay. Uh, time is going to be of the essence, so we're going to get moving. Um, you know, that was great, uh, wonderful baby dedication. Baby dedications make me uh, make me think about raising children, training children. Um, how many of you are doing that along with me? Yep, we're doing that. We're in it. We're in it for the long haul. It's a, it's a lifelong assignment, eh? Um, uh, something that's uh, quite often been coming up uh, that I find myself saying all the time to my kids lately, um, I'll give you a situation in which it comes up, but um, yeah, so here's the situation. My, my daughter the other day is singing, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. And my son, so my daughter's six, my son is three. My son decides he wants to join in and sing harmony, except it's not so much singing as it is fart sounds. So he starts going, and uh, of course my daughter is not impressed. And so here's, here's what I find myself saying. I say to my son, son, are you being kind? Uh, And of course, that leads to a little discussion. So uh, this morning, 
The title of my sermon for you today is, Son, Daughter, Are You Being Kind? And uh, you might say, well, that doesn't sound like a sermon on unity, but, uh, and you know what? This sermon is not the kind of sermon that I would have uh, thought that I would be bringing today, um, but it's the sermon I was given, and it's the sermon I'm going to give. So um, how many of you know that without kindness, uh, there's no unity? If I go around being a jerk, who's going to want to work with me here? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you wouldn't want to work with me, even if I was being a jerk. So what we're going to do this morning, like I said, this, this sermon, you can pray for me. This is a different style of sermon than I thought that I would bring. I'm going to, I'm going to go through some stories today in the Bible. Uh, I prefer just to pick a scripture and dissect it, but... Uh, Today I'm going to tell a few stories from the Bible. I've got a story or two of my own, and I hope I don't talk too fast for you, but I am trying to, I'm going to try and make this happen, okay? So I timed it. It was roughly 35 minutes. Megan said I had 30, so we're going to, we're going to make a mile. Um, if you want to go to Acts chapter 10, this is a story about Cornelius and Peter. They're the main characters in this story. Um, Peter, he's just coming off doing an, uh, an amazing, Jesus used him to do an amazing miracle in Joppa. There was this lady named Tabitha. She died. She was an awesome lady. She dies. Peter goes to Joppa. Um, God uses him to heal this lady. So that's where Peter's just coming off of. Cornelius is, uh, uh, he is from Caesarea. He is not a Jew. So he is a Gentile. And what you need to know about that is, is very important, is, is at this time, Jews and Gentiles have nothing to do with each other. Don't want nothing to do with each other. Um, in fact, it's unlawful for a Jew to go to a Gentile's house. It's unlawful, okay, by the Jewish law. So it's, it's a no-go, Captain. Um, so he is a centurion of the Italian cohort. And so I'm in Acts 10. I'm not necessarily reading all of it, but you can jump around and follow with me. I'll kind of, some of it I'm going to have to paraphrase. Some of it I'm going to read direct, okay? Are you with me? All right, okay. So what it does tell us in verse 2 about Cornelius is that he was a devout man who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and he prayed to God continually. So we know that he feared God and that he had a hunger for God, but he has never heard the gospel yet. Okay, so keep that in mind. So how this story goes is Cornelius gets a vision. Um, and in the vision, there's an angel, and he says, hey, there's this dude over there in Joppa. His name's Peter. Send for him. He's got a message for you. So Cornelius sends a couple of his men uh, to Joppa. The next day, Peter, uh, he gets hungry, and he falls into a trance uh, or a vision. And in this vision, uh, it says around verse 11, that the sky opened up, uh, a great sheet came down, there were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air, and a voice came to him, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, the voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happens three times, it says, and uh, Peter, it says, is greatly confused. He's not quite sure what to think of this. 
Um, as this is happening, the dudes from Cornelius show up at the place he's staying, and the Holy Spirit says to Peter, hey, there's guys here looking for you. Go see what they want. So Peter goes down. He meets these guys. He asks, hey, why are you here? And Cornelius' men say, um, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, um, he was directed by an angel to send for you because you have a message for us. So Peter invites them in. So now this is a part um, that I'm uh, not adding, but I'm supposing because Peter is coming from generations upon generations upon generations of people who have nothing to do with Gentiles. Okay? He just got invite, is getting invited to a Gentile's home. All right? He's got to be confused. He's got to be fighting with what the right thing to do is in this situation. There's no way that, that it was just an easy flip the switch. Okay, I'm throwing away hundreds of years of tradition and doing this. There's just no way. Okay? So he's, I can only imagine what that night would have been like for Peter. He's trying to figure out what he's going to do with this. But in the morning, he gets up. He obviously decides that he's at least going to go check it out. So he, and he goes with these, he goes with these guys to, from Joppa to Caesarea. Now, Cornelius, he throws this huge house party. Like everybody, all his friends, all his family, he gets them all together. He's figuring if this guy's coming, we're going to be ready to make it count. And when he sees Peter coming, it says he falls down and worships him. Peter right away says, uh, no, man, I stand up. I'm just a man. I'm just like you. You don't need to worship me. And Peter says in verse 28, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. God showed Peter something in this time that there is, there is, um, there's no person, God is no uh, respecter, thank you, thank you everyone. God is no respecter of persons. Up till then, the Jews really did believe that, that God had their hand on the Jews. But Peter is shown that. Okay, so keep those things, keep that in mind. So he's like, Cornelius, why did you invite me here? Cornelius is like, well, I had a dream. There was an angel, and uh, he told me what to do. And I sent, it says in 33, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now I believe you have a message, so lay it on us. Um, and what ends up happening in this story is from there is, like I said, these guys have never heard the gospel. So Peter tells them about Jesus, his life, death, resurrection. And what it says is the Holy Spirit fell on the whole place. And there were some people who came with Peter from Joppa, some other Jews, and it says that they were amazed. They never probably believed that it could happen, but it happened. You might be... Uh, Wondering where I'm going with this, so let me, uh, let me bring it together a little bit for you. You see, we live, we live in this world where people openly say, I don't like other people. I don't like being around other people. I don't want to see people. Anybody ever heard that before? 
you don't have to put up your hand that you said it, but you, uh, maybe you've heard that before. I've heard that before. Um, the crazy part is when we say that or when we post that online, other people are reading it. Yeah, other people are reading that. Um, so church, whether it's people inside or outside our church, what I want you to notice here is that Peter, Peter took this opportunity to do an act of kindness for somebody. He loved Jesus to the extreme that he wanted everyone to know the gospel. And he didn't know it yet that he was going to share it with Gentiles. But he did have that burning compassion, burning kindness in him to share the love of Jesus with everybody. And God opened a door that he thought was closed, and he took, out of the kindness of his heart, his desire to show other people Jesus, he went. One act of kindness out of obedience can change someone's whole world. Kindness brews love, and Jesus said that the whole law can be summarized in two commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that, you can look at that in Mark 12, 28 to 31 later on if you like. You know, many of you know, many of you have heard, but for those of you who don't know, we had our fourth baby a few months ago. Um, his name is Conan, and... Uh, he was born with some breathing. He's had some breathing issues. And so he and uh, my wife, Darby, lived in the hospital for 40 days. I lived uh, with our, my other three kids at home for 40 days. And what was crazy over that time is how many people showed us one act of kindness. Crazy. Um, how many people took time to pray for us? How many time, people took time to message us, visit us in the hospital? Um, bring us meals. There's people who I've, oh, I practiced so hard, guys. Um, there's people who I never even met that brought us a meal, and, and I can't even put words to how that, uh, you know, my son, dang it, <laughs> my son was born into an atmosphere of kindness. And that's something that I'll never forget, and, I, and I'll, we'll make sure that he, he knows it as he grows up as well. Amen? The kindness that God has shown us, just like Peter has shown the kindness of Jesus, he was shown, he spent all that time with Jesus. He got to spend all that time with his Lord, and he developed a love for the gospel, and he developed a love for people. That kindness that God has shown us, he wants us to share it with others. Peter did not hold back when God said, it's time to share with somebody new. I want to break down a wall. There's a wall between you and these people. I want to break it down. I want to add to my family, to my community. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. That is my first story for you. Okay. We're going to go again. Uh, this story is the story of Joseph, and if you thought I did that one fast, now I'm going to really fly, because the story of Joseph's like 10 chapters long. So I obviously am not reading you the whole story, but for your after-service um, enjoyment, reflection, you can, uh, if you want to read the whole story, it is Genesis 37, and then 39 to about 47. Um, 
So the story of Joseph starts, Joseph is 17 years old. Joseph uh, somehow has won his dad's favor. He's his favorite. Don't recommend that, dads. Don't give out favorites. Doesn't go good for the kids sometimes. Doesn't look as you'll find out. Um, so he's 17. He's his dad's favorite. He's got 10 brothers older than him, who some of them would be in their 30s, I'm sure. So quite a bit older than him. Um, he uh, also has this weird gift that he has dreams and can interpret them. And he has this dream that, a couple dreams, that he's going to be a prominent guy and his brothers will bow down to him. And he tells his brothers that. There's another mistake in this story already. Don't, don't tell your brothers that. <laughs> They're going to bow down to you. Um, so anyways, uh, as you can imagine, his brothers don't like him. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so Joseph... Uh, Joseph's brothers, they're off working in the fields. Joseph's coming to check in on them, and they're like, let's off this guy. I've had enough of his beaking. Uh, we got to get, I, let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. Uh, the one Reuben, the one brother, I think it was Reuben, he's like, no, I, we don't want his blood on our hands. So they end up ripping his coat off, kicking him down a hole, Kicking him down a hole. Sorry, I moved the mic. And, uh, and then they kill a wild animal, tear up his coat, put some blood on it. Some Midianites come by. They sell him to the Midianites, and off he goes. They take home the coat to the father, Jacob, say, he gone. <laughs> and uh, Joseph finds himself in Egypt. Joseph ends up in the household of one of the most prominent people in Egypt named Potiphar. Uh, and the Lord blesses Joseph there. He rises to the top, kind of to the top of Potiphar's house. He's taking care of lots of stuff for Potiphar, gets along really good. Everything's kind of working out, other than he still kind of is a slave, but everything's going better. Um, then Potiphar's, Potiphar, he's a busy guy, probably has uh, lots of business trips and such. His wife gets lonely, starts looking at Joseph, and she is like, yeah, I want to have a fling with this guy. And uh, she tells Joseph that, and Joseph says, uh, no way. I respect my master way too much for that. I will not dishonor him. I will not do that with you. And she kind of persists, but Joseph holds back. And eventually what ends up happening, she flips the script on Joseph, and she's like, well, if you're not going to do it with me, I'm going to get you in trouble. Um, and she uh, claims that Joseph tried to rape her. And Potiphar gets wind of this, and of, as any good husband, he throws Joseph in jail, because you can't have that in your house. So, this is where we find Joseph. He is in jail. Um, I would say this is probably the lowest moment of Joseph's life. Um, it would have, you know, he was in that pit, that would have been physically lower, but uh, now, <laughs> now he's... Uh, He's in jail. You know, at least when he was in the pit, it wasn't that long. Now, uh, you know, he, and he was a servant, but at least he had stature in the house. He, was, he wasn't the lowest servant. He had good standing, but now he's in jail. And jail isn't like now. Like, there wasn't TV. There wasn't three-course meals, you know, three meals a day. There wasn't uh, climate control, AC, and uh, heat. This was jail. <laughs> um, and so this, I'm going to read you a couple verses in Genesis 39. 21 to 23. 
uh, well, actually, first I'll say, so Joseph's life was not going according to plan. In his dreams, he was supposed to be something, somebody, and his brothers were bowing down to him. Friends, life doesn't always take us where we think it's going to take us. Is that right? Yeah, it doesn't always go the way we thought. But you see, one act of kindness has the power to change a whole situation. So you might think, who shows Joseph kindness in this story? So yeah, verse, like I said, verse 21 of chapter 39 says, But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Keep that in mind. The Lord granted, gave kindness to Joseph even when he was at the lowest point of his life. You know, sometimes we can't explain why life goes the way it goes. But one thing's for sure is that God is good and he is kind and he takes care of his children. So keep that in mind. So this story goes on. Um, a couple of Pharaoh's servants get thrown into jail with Joseph. Um, and they both end up having dreams. And Joseph, if you remember, he is a dream interpreter right on okay so one of these guys' dreams is not so good uh he ends up dying uh from what he learns in his dream the other guy's dream uh is better and he ends up going back to work for the pharaoh um after some time with the pharaoh the pharaoh ends up having a dream after a little and the pharaoh tries to find someone who can tell him what it means can't find somebody so eventually this guy remembers hey i was in jail with this guy joseph he could tell you what it means. So they call Joseph up. Joseph he listens to the dream. Joseph's like, yeah, basically what your dream means is in seven years from now, there's going to be a massive drought. And so we need to, you need to find somebody to prepare during these seven years for the next seven years. Pharaoh says, buddy, you sound like a smart guy. Uh, that's going to be you. <laughs> and in the snap of fingers, Joseph went from jail to the number two guy in one of the most important countries in the world. Just like that. Isn't that something? Okay, so Joseph, he now has the power, he basically has all the power that, that anybody could ever have wanted. Um, so Joseph goes right to work, he starts storing up um, food uh, in preparation for this drought. Seven years go by, the drought comes, just like the dream uh, prophesied. And the drought doesn't just affect Egypt, it affects areas around Egypt, and it affects where Joseph's family is living. Joseph's uh, brothers, they come up to get some food. When they get there, they, A, they think Joseph probably really is dead, and B, it's been 13 plus years over the course of this, so they don't recognize him. And Joseph conceals his identity, he doesn't reveal it to them. Um, this is where I really got to make a long story short because this story goes, drags on. What ends up, but I, what I want to focus on in this story is Joseph is now a very important person and has all the power. Joseph is now looking upon 10 brothers in front of him who threw him in a pit and sold him. 
Joseph has the power to throw these guys in jail, to uh, make them his slaves, to kill them, whatever he likes. Um, but can I, to really, really summarize it, what ends up happening in this story is Joseph forgives his brothers. He shows them kindness, and he actually brings them all to Egypt to live a better life with him. Joseph repaid his brother's evilness and uh, wickedness with kindness. Do you, do you wonder why? Do you wonder why, how that, how that could have happened? You know, what I believe is back when, Jacob, or when Joseph was in that jail, and it says the Lord, when he was at his lowest, and God extended kindness to him. When you are filled with the awe of kindness yourself, and you realize it, it forces you to look to, if it fills your capacity of kindness up so that when the opportunities arise, you will also offer kindness. So my, my question, actually I'll, I'll hold off on that. Joseph, so yeah, Joseph had an incredible capacity to offer kindness. And it makes me think what my capacity for kindness is. And especially towards those who might have wronged me, because Joseph was wronged in the ultimate way. He was betrayed by his own family. You know, in the Bible it says things like, um, you know, God says, justice is mine. And it says things like that we're supposed to turn the other cheek. Um, but at least I have the sense, we have the sense, maybe, maybe you have the sense with me, of having a need to take care of my own business when I'm wronged, of uh, needing to uh, make sure it gets straightened out for sure. Is any, I'm just being real. Is any, it got quiet. Anybody else? Yeah, a couple times, once or twice maybe, yeah. But God is showing me that these thoughts, they don't promote community. They don't promote unity. I think God is capable of being God. The big question is, is, am I capable of being obedient to him and trusting him in what he says? And even when things aren't going my way, and I still, I, will I still show love and kindness to those around me? Because let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, who did no wrong, died on a cross to open the door for God to show his kindness to all of humanity. God's kindness to us and for us cost his only son's life. And church, the Bible says that freely we have received, freely we should give. Joseph was shown so much kindness by the Lord that when the time came, he extended that to his brothers. He realized what he'd been given and he gave. When you know the kindness you've been shown, it will expand your capacity to show it to others. And in doing that, when Joseph did that, it brought a unity to his family. It brought healing. He extended that kindness. Amen? Are you still with me? How are we doing? Okay. 
we're, we're going to make it close. It's going to be close. Okay. My, so my, the last story I have for you is just qu real quick. It's my own story. Um, you know, I have a similar story when I, growing up to Megan. Um, when I was a teenager, my mom uh, got cancer, and she passed when I was 16. Dang, I swear I tried so hard in the mirror, guys. I practiced. Oh, man. It's a microphone. Okay, let's do this. So, so as you can imagine, I grew up my whole life uh, in faith, and these things are confusing for a young man. Uh, when you've been told that God is good and faithful and true, and he doesn't let you down your whole life, and something like that happens, um, it puts you in a real predicament on what you're going to believe. Um, but what I, where I'm going with this story is, is that we used to live in a town called Pierce Land about three and a half hours northwest of here. Um, about five months before my mom passed, we moved here uh, be closer to doctors. And um, we found a place in this church. And people were, have, were so kind to us. We, uh, we had people who would bring us a meal once a week regularly to help out. We had other people who would have us to their home almost once a week uh, to help out. And in so many different ways, uh, you know, youth leaders, different things helped out in so many different ways. Um, the former pastor, Megan's dad, Glenn Stead, um, took time to talk to me about things things that you can understand, things that you can, and he helped me to process those things in healthy ways. And I can honestly say, you know, being 16, I was only a couple of years from uh, going out on my own. I could have made a lot of wrong choices out of pain and grief. But uh, due to so many people's kindness, it kept me in my faith. And ultimately, though I, though I left for a while, I'm still here. Yeah. Amen? I'm still with you guys. And uh, that's a testament in and of itself to the kindness and the goodness of God and people. Amen? So I wanted to share that with you. So as I wrap up today, I just want to go over a few of the standout points with you, just so that you walk away remembering them, okay? The first one is that you're always one act of kindness away from changing somebody's life. Whether that's an immediate change, like in the case of Cornelius and Peter, or whether that's more like the long game with Joseph and his brothers, you're one act of kindness away from changing someone's life. The second one is, is that the kindness we are given is meant to be shared. Like God showed kindness to Joseph, and he later showed kindness to his brothers, or how Peter showed the good news of salvation with the Gentiles, kindness that we have been given is meant to be shared. And lastly, kindness will lead to unity. When Peter pushed through the tr his tradition and religion and brought the word to the house of Cornelius, God used him to bring unity between Jews and Gentiles. Amazing. Amazing. Kindness will lead to unity. God has called us to be his church, 
not just his embassy church, but his global church. We have created a lot of walls and divisions in the global church. Sometimes we put other churches down. Sometimes we think we're somehow better. But I'll, remember your, or I'll remind you in Ephesians 4.32, it says to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So I'll ask you one more time. Son, daughter, are you being kind? And what's your capacity to show kindness? If you don't feel like it's at the level that it should be, remember this, that God showed us the ultimate kindness when he sent his son to die for us and to have renewed relationship with him. Dwell on that. Think on that. Let that settle deep into your heart. And I truly believe that it will expand your capacity to show kindness to those in your life. We've been given so much, and there's still so many who need to hear and see what we've got to offer, what Jesus has to offer. Let's keep this thing rolling, church. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.